Hi everyone, my name is Kaif and I welcome you to another episode of Everything Cyber. In this episode, we're going to dive deep into cybersecurity in the healthcare sector. Now, we all know that healthcare has a lot of sensitive operations and any disruption in those might result in a lot of impact in people and even potentially loss of lives. That's why healthcare companies need to implement quite strict security controls and run a tight ship. But is it the reality though? In this episode, we will understand why implementing cybersecurity can be a very complex maneuver, especially in the healthcare industry. Furthermore, we'll also realize what kind of challenges the cybersecurity professionals need to deal with as they implement security in this space. And to do so, we have a very special guest, Alana Topji, who has lots of experience in operating in the healthcare and the non-profit sector. With Alana, we're gonna dive deep into what does the landscape look like? What kind of cyber challenges these companies and sectors are facing? And what are the strategies they're implementing to build cyber resilience? And towards the end, we actually have a very interesting segment where we go through the various myths about cybersecurity in the healthcare space. So without any further ado, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode. Hey, guys. Hey, folks. Hey, everyone. Cool. Uh, we've got a really interesting guest. Uh, we've got a top G joining us for this session. Uh, and my good friend uh, who works both in the healthcare and the not-for-profit space. Uh, to start off with, uh, Alana, do you just want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Alana. I'm a cybersecurity analyst in um, the healthcare and the not-for-profit space. I'm a bit of a generalist in the way I work, so I do a bit of both GRC and both technical work as well. Thanks, Alana. Uh, coming to the next section, a question that we ask all our guests is, what does your family and friends think you do? It depends on who you ask. So some will know I'm in security. Um, the main thing that they know is I write a lot of policies and procedures and do what they think is very boring work, which I don't blame <laughs> them, it is GRC. Um, and others, I'll just say I'm in IT. I help people with their technology. We'll be pretty interested to hear also, like, how did you get into cybersecurity and in the space? I got into security via a bit of a roundabout way. So I initially started off more in the healthcare space. Mm -hmm. I was studying anatomy and neuroscience, and I thought I was going to go into something like optometry or maybe Huntington's research. I decided I didn't like optometry in the end, so I declined that postgrad offer. And with neurodegenerative research projects, I typically don't have a lot of funding. And so um, I decided to pivot from that, go into computer science and combine the two. And that's how I ended up in security in healthcare. It's pretty cool. Awesome stuff. Do you see much difference between that space and cybersecurity? I mean, there's definitely a massive gap between the two, but in terms of mixing technology and healthcare now, there's tends to be a pretty large overlap there, especially with the new technology coming out, maybe to monitor levels of different molecules in the blood or even surgical equipment that's now made out of robotics and things like that. So there is a large combination between the two now and it's only going to grow. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of crazy though, like the whole journey coming from healthcare and then evolving into an IT slash healthcare space. Uh, and that's a pretty interesting and unique journey, I must say. Yeah, and you see what well, what I've seen a lot is a lot of healthcare providers or hospitals or aged care centers, they'll really uptake a lot of new technologies into the space, but security 
is very much an afterthought or if, if a thought at all in those spaces, which is why I really wanted to go into that section. Nice. Um, thank you for sharing your journey with us, Alana. Um, something you're curious to know about is, and thank you for that segue, is, is have you an understanding of what the healthcare looks like and the healthcare landscape is? Just an idea of like, okay, you have the healthcare providers, you have pharmacies. So um, what has the experience been with security within the healthcare industry, so to speak? Yeah, it gets pretty complicated in healthcare, depending on how many providers an organization has and what sort of services that organization has. And again, it's not really just dealing with things like client data or staff data of that organization. It's also looking at the physical safety of both staff and clients or residents. So a cybersecurity incident can very easily cause harm to someone's body, either by injury or by death as well. There's really high stakes when it comes to security in healthcare and the broad amount of providers that you may have or services you may have may also up the ante in terms of the number of risks you have and what you have to look out for. So for instance, you may have a pharmacy in a hospital, but in that pharmacy you have anywhere between one to maybe five different apps, depending on what your pharmacists do. Do you have specialized pharmacists or do you just have generalized pharmacists? If you have nurses, what sort of devices are they using? What sort of applications are they using? Are you allowing BYOD in some cases? Are you not allowing BYOD? And then as well, if you have a surgical ward, do you have technology in that surgical ward that's hooked up to a computer, whether or not it's IoT? But if it is IoT, then that brings another risk into the into the whole issue. And it, there's so many caveats, so many little things that you have to look out for. And it really just starts to expand into this massive tree of things you really have to monitor and have a look at. That's pretty cool. Um, if it's possible, I'd love for you to go deeper into the threats and in particular, any insights you have on what are the typical threats you see healthcare faces a lot? The typical threats are pretty typical across other sectors too. So there is a lot of phishing, but the phishing obviously is more to do with healthcare related things. So especially during the COVID era, there are a lot of fake uh, COVID emails. There are a lot of fake uh, WHO emails, so with the World Health Organization. You also get um, fake medication or fake vaccination emails asking you, hey, you need to book in this um, medication or this vaccination. Um, if you need it, please, you know, click on the link here to book it in and then you've downloaded something and, you know, all that sort of thing. So phishing is very much a big part of our threat landscape, um, not just in aged care, but in hospitals in general and just healthcare in general. Great. Um, if I may interject, in terms yep. of like, what's the outcome for the officials? Is it are they trying to get more medical information, or is it run somewhere? Like, what have you seen? Uh, it it depends on the email, so it can be a bit of a mix. There have been somewhere um, they've had an attachment in the email, and they said, "Hey, you need to look at this," and it turns out to be some sort of malware, whether it's ransomware or bloatware or whatever. It really depends on who's sending that email. Sometimes they may pretend to go to a login page so that they can fish your credentials and then log in as you. So yeah, the, there are really two main uh, things that they want. It is just to download malware or it is to get your credentials so that they can access that patient data or whatever they really want from the system. On the topic of threat, uh, on the flip side, I think threat is just not threat that, that controls us. It's also our customer expectations and other regulation and requirements often. In the healthcare, healthcare space, do you see people being more conscious about, okay, 
um, their own private health data and is protecting that data you see uh, becomes a top priority. Uh, I presume protecting data is obviously top priority everywhere, but is the drawback of having a, a breach where people's healthcare data is out there in the public, the repercussions feel like that will be much higher rather than any other random data set. Um, is that something you guys take into factor when you're desi designing your infrastructure? Oh, certainly. The, the expectation that you have to protect the most vulnerable in your society and their health data and so forth obviously will play a role in how you rate certain risks in the organization and how then you respond to that risk based on the rating that you give it. And have you ever seen, like we all know people want to um, steal that data and I think personification is one thing, but have you ever seen any interesting malicious intents uh, of behind this data, like any ingenuous way of the hackers got this data and they're using this to do further damage or get some financial advantage that people wouldn't think of? I've never seen it play out, but I have seen I have seen it in the form of phishing where they try and pretend as though they have it and they are attempting to blackmail you for a certain amount of Bitcoin uh, just to not release that data. But again, it, those are sorts of fake phishing emails that we come across. Thanks for that, guys. Um, just switching a bit uh, into the other sections, you mentioned there were a lot of IoT devices uh, within the space of healthcare. So. There's a lot of IoT, there's a lot of software that you're using to communicate between different healthcare vendors, pharmacies, and so on. So what does that look like in the healthcare space and how do you try to secure them? Yeah, it really comes down to your asset management. So you have to make sure you document absolutely everything that you have, um, understand whether you actually need something to be internet connected or not, because sometimes you really don't need it to be internet connected. and really working on your network segmentation in that organization so that you make sure that those medical IoT devices aren't affected by something if something goes down in another part of the organization or in another in another bit of hardware, essentially. So there are those things that can come into play when dealing with those sorts of issues. But yeah, there are, there's a plethora of different IoT. When I Whenever I've gone to uh, the DigiHealth Fest, which I think it was the second year running this year, there's always dozens of new technologies that are coming out. Um, and what I'd like to see from all of these new technologies is whether they've gone through any sort of security auditing or whether they have any sort of app sec involved in them. Usually the answer is no. Um, so I'd like to see that more um, in the coming years, especially because, you know, those are hand those are used to handle, you know, someone's life and someone's livelihood. So yeah. Yeah, I think I think that surely comes in the um, involvement of when you're onboarding a new device, a new client and so on, like a part of an RFP, where basically evaluating the amount of risk that you're going to be taking in from a new client or new device. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, some just taking a step back and looking from another perspective in terms of like incident response and types of incidents that you're going to be dealing with uh, have you ever faced an instance where an iot device got compromised and you had to isolate that and you know what kind of impacts would that have short answer medical iot no i haven't haven't dealt with that so far so yeah thankfully yeah. Yeah. yes <laughs> thankfully thankfully <laughs> that'd be a very interesting yeah, play use case 
um, though. Yeah, it would, it would. So yeah, th thanks for the discussion and really um, painting a picture of what the um, healthcare industries and some of the risks you face. Um, something I was curious about was when you're working with these companies or coming to these organizations, um, are there, okay, let me give an example. Like, let's say you may have like a software organization or something and you have things like ISMS or common criteria or these common risk management frameworks you can use to kind of assess like the cyber security risk maturity. So um, one thing I was curious about is, is there anything dedicated or any guidelines like from NIST or NEM XBody that is dedicated towards the healthcare industry or do you borrow from ISMS when you're trying to just assess the risk within a healthcare organization? Yeah, I tend to use just the general ISO 27001 standards, no matter what industry I'm in or what uh, industry my client is in, just because it's broad enough that I can apply to any industry. But obviously, knowing the sector that the client or the organization I'm in is in, then you have to tailor that ISMS to that client or that organization. And then obviously your playbooks will then have to be tailored to them too. So what's going to work in financial services isn't going to work in healthcare. So your ransomware plans will look very different compared to if you were in um, hospital versus if you were a superannuation trustee, for instance. Just drawing on those broader bits of security standards, like those ISO standards, should be enough for the healthcare sector, Perfect. at yeah. least in at least sure. in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So, it's, so it's great when you can draw on those um, broad frameworks to apply the to apply them to the to the different industries. So, yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that. Going back to that question, I think um, we talked about the threats, but I'd, I'd be curious about challenges. Like when you're trying to do cybersecurity in this space, what would you say the most common challenges you face working in the healthcare sector? The most common challenge is really the user base, uh, definitely around security awareness. That's mm -hmm. That tends to be the major thing. And you can kind of understand the situation. So for instance, I'm not expecting a nurse who's been a registered nurse for 30, 40 years to know anything about technology, nor should I really. She's getting all of this new stuff on a computer, like I don't know, endpoint management and antivirus and this and that, and she has no idea what it does. Or if you try and fish her through simulated phishing and she fails and she doesn't know what she's doing and she doesn't even know that she failed the phishing, you can't really expect that user to get anything out of it unless you start to educate them on security but do it in layman's terms so not gatekeeping the subject and so forth so what i tend to do is uh, i'll go to the sites of a client or the sites of the organization i'm in sit everyone down throughout the whole day obviously because you can't take all the nurses off shift all at once um, you'll sit them down you'll discuss security with them You'll have to give them definitions of terms such as computer virus, because not everyone knows what a computer virus is. Not everyone knows what phishing is. Um, and you'll tell them essentially what they can and can't do with their work devices or with their emails or with the, the hardware that they use in the hospital or in the aged care um, facility. And from there, you then get questions that come from them saying, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And then you have to explain it to them. And then you have to ask them, okay, what's the blocker that's preventing you from actually doing 
what you need to do so that we can be cyber safe. Mm. So it's really understanding from their point of view and explaining it so that they can understand and not hiding it behind smoke and mirrors. Otherwise, you're going to get that persistent, um, persistent trouble of just the user base not understanding cybersecurity, right. not understanding why they have to do certain things. And if someone doesn't know why they have to do certain things and you're just telling them to do it, they're really not going to do it. So you mm. really have mm. to explain it to them so that they understand. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll kind of, I'll really agree with that. I feel like a big point of security awareness or bringing up security culture in general is like building relationships with the people you're going to be working with. So opening them up to saying issues that they might face uh, in terms of security and how they could take in the security recommendations that we provide as security professionals and apply it uh, in a day-to-day -day aspect for their work. Yeah, and sometimes what also helps is going through a scenario or a threat scenario with them and saying, hey, it's not, you know, it's a really fancy hacking technique. They could just send you an email. Um, you click on it. It looks like, you know, your Google or your Microsoft login page and you put your credentials in and then they're into our system because they've logged in um, and they've stolen all the data. It could just be something as simple as that. And for someone who isn't really techie, has never worked in tech and you know, has been a registered nurse for 30, 40 years, that blows their minds that, that that's considered hacking, that that can be an incident in itself. So, so yeah. Just explaining it to them and understanding that they don't know everything. So you have to explain it to them in a way that they understand and understand what's blocking them from doing what you need them to do. Mm. And is awareness the main weapon of choice <laughs> uh, you have in terms of driving resilience? Uh, because, for example, in the software development industry, uh, we have concepts such as paved path, right? Where we try to get out of the developer's way by ensuring that the most secure path is often the easiest path to take or the default path to take, hence they end up being security or building in all these guardrails, um, the, all the safety nets. Um, is there any anything equivalent in the healthcare space that you guys uh, also do? I mean, there's your typical security measures like your infrastructure security, um, doing regular pen tests, all that sort of thing, doing a bit of OSINT here and there, um, threat mm. modeling, threat, you know, threat analysis, that sort of thing. Um, but definitely in the healthcare space, that security awareness is very big. Uh, totally understandable because even for, even for software companies who are, for whom cybersecurity is uh, almost a bit as who, for whom cybersecurity is essential, I wanted to say almost essential, but uh, there will be a cardinal sin. 99% um, essential. <laughs> uh, uh, it is essential. Even then, when push comes to shove, when you have features that needs, needs to be pushed out within a due date, uh, compromises are made. I can only imagine in a space where uh, technology is not at the forefront and people have a, a lot of competing priorities is overworked is a lot in under a lot of stress they would want to do the work in the easiest way possible rather yeah than, yeah definitely yeah um something you mentioned before which was the connectivity uh, side of uh healthcare and all the uh, and also the vendors is 
similar to software industry these days is third party risks also very prominent in the healthcare industry yeah, and that's something it's, you have to it's navigate. massive yeah um that is one of the the big risks in healthcare you have different providers that you send people to um you have different vendors and because in the healthcare industry you're not just dealing with um sort of the corporate landscapes or corporate mm. apps and their third parties and so forth you're also dealing with the healthcare side of things too so um, the pharmacies you send people off to, the other specialists you send people off to, um, the applications used for the medical IoT or maybe the surgical equipment and so forth. So it's it becomes very, very broad and much more broad than just a normal corporate third-party risk landscape because that's part of it, but that's only half. Yeah, that's because when we rock up into the hospitals, there's all kinds of... Um, not not just medical devices, all kinds of vendors that have a very wide, I presume, range of cyber maturity, and you need to deal with all of them. And yeah. it's very hard to bring all of them into the baseline you want. Um, hence, hence there's, I can definitely see a lot of risk. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be um, like third parties that you've partnered up with for an application or a service. You could be just recommending a patient to go to, um, I don't know, an eye clinic in the next suburb because you think that's the best one to go to and that eye clinic's website's been compromised and you don't know it yet and so a staff member then goes and clicks on the link to go to that website and it's compromised and they download something mm. um, so that even those sorts of things can happen that clinic may not know that the website's compromised so then the security team of the hospital or the aged care center will then have to ring up that provider and say hey are you aware that someone has downloaded malware via your website and usually you hear a ah let me double check for you and so they'll put the phone down go and check come back and they go uh where are you from can we get your name like what did you what did you find there and yeah, yeah. so those sorts of situations can happen and they have happened so mm. yeah it's not just providers that you have a contract dealing with it can be other providers you just recommend based on expertise or something like that yeah because i was thinking you, you could go to the gp they refer you to someone else and then that person can say, can you share with me your previous results? Then you have to get them. I'm saying if you're not enrolled into my health records, so then you have to, someone sends them over to um, to this email. And sometimes even they send an email that could be a typo and send to the wrong person. So yeah, there's definitely- Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that, that definitely happens. All, all yeah. that, yeah, all those opportunities there. So yeah, yeah. thank you. Thanks guys. Uh, moving to another section, a common issue that a lot of people think exists in the healthcare space is like vulnerabilities and patch management. Uh, it ends up being an issue because you have softwares that can't be updated uh, and then you have operating systems too that can't be updated because those would break software. So you end up in these difficult situations where you had to manage a lots of vulnerabilities uh, with high risk, which can be higher critical. So how do you end up dealing with such situations and how does vulnerability slash patch management look in the healthcare space? Yeah, so you're definitely right in with some applications, you can't just patch straight away. You really do have to wait um, to see whether or not it's going to break something because you can upgrade straight away, but then all of a sudden your entire pharmacy can't access anyone's prescriptions and maybe someone needs a chemotherapy that day and that chemo has a half-life of two hours and it's down and you can't do it. You don't. You really want to be avoiding those sorts of situations. Um, though in those situations, you do have to look at all the patches 
that are upcoming. You have to prioritize them. Then you have to plan, okay, what systems are going to potentially be affected. Have a rollback plan as well. And then start warning all of the business owners across all the system owners across your entire organization saying, hey, we're going to um, put this in place at this time. Here's all the risks. Here's our rollback plan. This is how long it should take. We're going to do it in this time where there's least amount of impact, maybe, I don't know, between midnight and 4 a.m., for instance. And you really have to get everyone to agree with it, have the change approved, and then go and see how that, um, whether that change can be effective or not. But yeah, sometimes it is, it does just involve you waiting a bit longer because you know that if you do it now or in the next few weeks, you will break something very important. So, yeah. So yeah. Is there any sort of mitigating controls or any sort of plans that you have on how oh, you yeah. mitigate or reduce the risks? Yes. Yeah. So while in between you planning the change to actually doing the change, you will have to enforce some sort of mitigating risks, whether that's removing some roles from the system, um, whether it's putting in another form of authentication on the system, maybe a bit more of a segmentation around that system or IP whitelisting, just anything. It really depends on the situation. Cool, that sounds good. Is there any challenges that you have faced uh, in doing this uh, other than the ones that you already mentioned? Um, is there any other challenges that you have run into? Yeah, so sometimes um, some of these changes that are very necessary and very critical and have to happen straight away, you do run the risks, run the risk of not being able to access patient data. Um, and especially in a hospital or an aged care center, you need that patient data 24 seven. There may be certain windows in the day where you need it a bit less, um, but those are, that's the most tricky scenario that you tend to face um, is being able to actually access your patient or your client's data in a system that you really do need to critically update and you can only really apply certain mitigating factors to. Oh, um, thanks for sharing, Alana, and also educating us more on um, what happens behind the curtain in the healthcare industry. Um, one of the things that we have to know more about, about is around the common, let's call them myths and misconceptions people have or organizations about cybersecurity in the health industry in particular. Like what are some of the um, conversations you have encountered or some of those myths or misconceptions? Yeah, one of the big ones relate to you, your small practices. So your small GPs, um, maybe an orthodontist or a dentist and so forth. They think, well, we're pretty small. Uh, we'll be fine. They're not going to target us. And that's usually not the case. What you'll tend to find is the website security of those sorts of practices is pretty poor. Um, and so they tend to get a lot of um, attacks on that. And if you go visit their website pages, Sometimes you can accidentally just download a bit of malware if you visit the page because the website's being compromised and they don't know. Um, mm. So yeah, it, that's definitely one big myth I've I've seen talking to people in healthcare, whether that be doctors or, um, or yeah, just dentists or anything like that. Is that I'm a small practice, I don't need any sort of security because they're not going to target me, but they will. Have you seen anything that's more around like? Um like cloud environment migration to cloud, whether on-premise versus? It depends on the hospital or the organization you're in. Some will be 
um, on-prem. Some will be a mixture of on-prem and cloud, and some will be just cloud. Usually you'll find it's a bit of a mix because a lot of these hospitals are quite old. And so they've started off on-prem and are migrating fully to cloud. Um, but what you tend to see as well is they think, well, we're going to cloud. Now we're super secure. We have to do a lot less work now. We don't really have to do much security work anymore. And that's just not the case. There is still security mm. um, risks around cloud. There is still security protocols you have to put in place, even if you use cloud um, versus on-premises. So yeah, that is another big risk there. Oh, that's fair. Um, something I was thinking about was like, um, maybe back in the yesteryear, the, a lot of the records used to be on physical paper. So yes. <laughs> these, these, I'd say a migration to like um, ele electronic medical records. So is that something that falls under cybersecurity? Like I mean, yeah. So physical records still fall under cybersecurity. You could have someone come into the facility, pretend to be an admin and just take a bunch of stuff from the room and leave. Um, so you do have to look out for things like that. Most, well, not most, but a number of the large hospitals have moved or are moving to those electronic medical record providers instead. So what you'll tend to find is it's less of a threat than it was previously, but we still have hospitals and aged care centers still using those physical records. So there does still have to be risk management around that. Well, thank you so much, Alana. This has been really enlightening, um, especially for someone who hasn't worked in that industry, just to understand the landscape, the common challenges, and some of the myths as well. Um, and to wrap up this episode, um, I have a just one last question. Uh, if the current Alana could uh, have access to a time machine and go back and give some advice to the old Alana that, that's just starting, um, what would some advices would be? So basically, if someone's getting started in the cybersecurity industry, especially in the healthcare space, what would some of the advices you'd give them? If they wanted to start working in the healthcare space, I'd say just get a job in healthcare whether that's just a project support officer role or an admin role or receptionist role, um, definitely do that because you at least get used to the environment in a healthcare space. You understand the different types of roles there, the different types of systems there. Even if you're not doing something very techie or security related, it does get you used to that environment. So I definitely get people to start off doing that, maybe while they're studying security or computer science or software engineering. It's definitely a big help. Awesome. And with that, we'll pull the curtains in this episode. Uh, thank you so much, Alana, uh, for joining us today. And thanks to the audience for uh, listening and tuning in. Hope you had some really good takeaways. And I know, Alana, we will be seeing you one more time in the future. So excited yes. for that episode as well. Uh, and stay tuned, folks, uh, for the next one. And we'll see you around. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Great.